Jeannie plays in Toronto today. Are you more interested in her tennis or her Instagram? And Sidney Crosby turned 30, but what else do you know about the guy? All that coming up. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. Guess who's back? Back again. Tell your friends. Wheeler's back, Wheeler's back, Wheeler's back, Wheeler's back. What's up, Toronto? It's 11 o'clock on the dot. Gareth Wheeler with you. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050. Thrilled to be back off the sick bed. I can laugh about it now, but last week, it was next level illness. Many of you know I'm doing cancer treatment right now. I'm doing immunotherapy. Whether it was that, a combination of picking up a virus. I was as sick as I've been since 2007. When I was doing a nasty cancer drug back then called Interferon. I was horrible. I did the show on Tuesday. I know you all enjoyed. It was an award-winning show really last Tuesday, wasn't it, Joe Narsa? Joe, thumbs up, that a boy. Uh, Behind the glass, we brought the heat. Went and did a one-on-one interview with Jay Chapman of Toronto FC. And then I was on my way home and I had this like out-of-body experience where, you know when you just don't feel right and the world's playing out around you and you feel like you have no control? Yeah, that's how I felt. I just kept my hands on the wheel, 10 and 2, drinking water, saying, stay focused, just get home. Got home, tried to sleep it off, was up. 30 minutes later, just I couldn't I couldn't stop vomiting. And the chills and the fever came and the body aches and everything else. And I just lied there all night in pain, not being able to sleep until the next day when I went to the hospital, in the hospital Wednesday, in the hospital Thursday. Last week was an absolute mess. Good news is I'm feeling better and we're ready to bring the heat yet again today. And I miss this place when I'm not here. I mean, in my real life, if I want to rant, rave, or do whatever, my family, my wife, they just leave the room. (laughs) So it's nice to have this platform, this forum, to get a lot of sports stories and uh, sports opinion off my my chest. We're going to start with Jeannie Bouchard today. She plays at the Rogers Cup here in Toronto. The phone lines are always open on the show. We are your Talkback Toronto. Um, we are your voice, your chance to get off your chest what you think about the issues at hand. So 416 870 1050. 416-870-1050. 1-855-591-6876. That is 1-855-591-6876. The text is 1050-50. The email live at TSN1050.ca. Jeannie Bouchard plays at 1pm today. She takes on someone named Vesic, Vekic. What do you, what do you think it is? Keith Bauer, Vesic? No idea. She's ranked about twenty spots better than Jeannie Bouchard. Okay, so some Jeannie's taking on some tennis player you've never heard of before. Go figure. Center court, Rogers Cup, up at York University here in Toronto. The poll question and what we're asking you is: 
When it comes to Jeannie Bouchard, are you more excited to see her, A, next tennis match, B, next Instagram post, C, next photo shoot? Have your say at Wheeler TSN, at TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter. Because this is what it comes down to with Jeannie Bouchard. And, and, and don't mistake my criticism for being anti-Jeannie. Um, at least on a surface level. Because I would love to see a top-level women's Canadian tennis player um, rise up, um, do some damage on the world scene, like Jeannie Bouchard did, what was that, two, three years ago. But since that time, she's brought nothing to the table. She's 70th, 7-0 in the WTA rankings. She's 12-15 and 15 on this year after a miserable 2016 and at least as an outsider, and Mark Masters will join us at 11.30, it seems like she's more concerned about being marketable, being a celebrity, endorsing, taking selfies, than anything to do with being competitive on the tennis court. At some time when you struggle so much in a sport, maybe it's good just to take a step away from all that other noise, all that other superficial stuff, that seems to matter, and get down to brass tacks and be a sportswoman or a sportsman in case when dudes are doing the same thing. It's hard for me to take an athlete seriously when really they're a celebrity playing the role of an athlete. I mean, the same criticism goes right now for our prime minister that he is a celebrity first, politician second. And that's kind of how I feel about Jeannie Bouchard. Celebrity first, athlete second. So how, on a sports talk show, how as sports fans are we supposed to take that? I know there's a lot of young guys out there, and girls, who are interested in Jeannie Bouchard because she's attractive. Well, okay, does that mean she's nothing more than than a Canadian Kardashian? Like, what are we looking at here? I, I, I think that at some point, I'm not sure when it is, whether it's now, whether it's two years from now, um, Ginny will be at a crossroads. Whether she is going to be a legit tennis player or whether she's just going to go down the road of celebrity and live on the fact that people like her and her looks and all that stuff. Well, So... The phone lines are open. You can defend Jeannie if, if you want. Tell me why or why not. Are you interested in Jeannie? Are you interested in Jeannie the athlete? Or are you more interested in Jeannie the celebrity? Or are you just not having her at all? Are you at a point where she needs to prove it to you for you to be interested? Because apparently she's one of Canada's biggest and most well-known international athletes. Well, win something. She's won one tournament over her career. One. Like I said, 12 and 15 this year. First round, second round exits across the board. It's just, if, if that's the standard, I, I just look at other sports. I mean, who's the 70th ranked Canadian skier in the world? Or... 70th ranked Canadian golfer. You just don't know who these people are. 
Yet Jeannie gets a ton of endorsements. She's the poster girl for this week's Rogers Cup, which maybe says more about the state of women's tennis and the lack of familiar names other than like Venus Williams playing right now. And Jeannie more so than anything else. But have your say. Defend Jeannie or share your frustration in seeing what looked to be a promising athlete seem to be more focused on other things. 416-870-1050. Toll free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca. Mark Masters will join me at the bottom of the clock. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Just Jeannie Bouchard on CP24. She's in action 1 p.m. today. So have your say on Jeannie. Being off sick last week, seeing everything play out with Marcus Stroman... Uh, the emotions, the stories that were written, it was quite comical to me. We all know what Marcus Stroman is as an athlete. He's emotional. Uh, He's a very good pitcher. He is a guy that's not afraid to speak his mind. And I appreciate all those things. But now his decorum... The way that he acts as being put in the spotlight because the cameras continued to roll on an MLB feed of the Blue Jays game where you hear Blue Jays broadcasters questioning the behavior of Marcus Stroman, which is letting the cat out of the bag because typically you don't hear Blue Jays broadcasters say anything bad about the Blue Jays. And we all know why, and that's fine, and you support the hometown team. I, I get that. I'm not being critical in saying that, but it just kind of... Pulled back the curtain a little bit, didn't it? Our Marcus Stroman. The stories are being written in the newspaper about the way that he acts with the media. What he answers, what he doesn't answer. The way that he is and the perception across Major League Baseball. His relationship with umpires. I mean, umpires have given him a raw deal because they don't call his pitch, his his, his pitching style, fairly equitably the same way. It changes based upon the umpire. And now he's picked fights with the umpires. And now it seems like more angst is being thrown his way by umpires because of the way that he's questioned them. So it's been it's been an ugly situation over recent weeks, despite some really good play by Marcus Stroman. And the whole referendum now that's happening. I mean, Steve Simmons wrote about this in in the Sunday paper that he needs a mentor. Like, where's his mentor now that Mark Burley's gone? It is Bautista. I'm looking at a clubhouse with guys like Tulo. Isn't Tulo supposed to be a great leader? Isn't Russell Martin supposed to be a great leader? And so I'm I'm not sure if I buy that story. Steve Buffery wrote one last week about his behavior as well. And there's been all kinds of banter about Marcus Stroman. But let's be honest here. When it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays, In terms of areas of concern, Marcus Stroman has to be way, 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 way down the laundry list of concerns or red flags. His behavior? I mean, that doesn't even crack the top 10, does it? Like, we can walk through multiple problematic areas for this baseball team, both now and for the coming year. And... If we're compiling that list, Marcus Stroman's behavior doesn't even come close to the top 10 from where I'm sitting. 
Let's go through some of them. And, 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 and we'll back some of them up with audio as well. Because Buster Olney was on Naylor and Landsberg this morning. And Jose Bautista was brought back for $17 million this year. It was a last-ditch kind of desperation move by the Toronto Blue Jays. And it was spun by some radio hosts and people. Oh, this is a good signing. A motivated Bautista. Oh, just had a bad year. Well, I think that anyone that watched him last year knew that the guy was just about toast. That was no surprise. That he's been bad again this year? Shouldn't surprise anyone. But how bad has it got when it comes to Jose Bautista? Here's Buster Olney of ESPN about what kind of offseason Jose Bautista's staring at. I mean, let's face it. The way it's setting up right now, because as you mentioned, it's, you would assume he's not going to be back next year. He probably is going to be doing well to get a, a minor league deal, non-roster invite with some team in 2018 because of the concerns about the age, the injury history, and the performance. Crazy. Goes from a $17 million player <laughs> where the Blue Jays, quite frankly, threw him a bone to being a guy that's not going to be able to be guaranteed a roster spot. And this is a guy who's still playing every day for this Blue Jays team. That's a problem. Roberto Osuna's lack of velocity right now. It's a problem. And if this is happening to Roberto Osuna now, what does this mean for the future? Here's our Blue Jays analyst, Dirk Hayhurst about the red flags when it comes to the Jays' closer. Now, Osuna's always had that kind of rising high fastball, that four-seam fastball that he puts up in the zone, and then he works off of that with a slider-cutter kind of combo, and that's been his, his kind of operational method. But it doesn't take long for you to see some decline in your velocity, especially over continued use. So what I worry about for closers, especially young closers who got their career where it's at because of their ability to throw a good hard fastball is how do you recover from that? Mm-hmm. Because you're in a very low margin of error, very high scapegoat probability role. And if you don't have that weapon, the amount of time you have to figure out something else is very slim. And this comes from a 22-year-old pitcher who's already had Tommy John. And a guy right now that might not be in the decent headspace, a guy that's really struggling, he's a 22-year-old closer. There's no slam dunk when it comes to his future. So there's some real questions right now about Roberto Osuna. Let's continue to go down the list of Blue Jays' questions and problems and red flags not to do with Marcus Stroman's attitude. The fact that they're going to have to address at least two outfield positions this offseason if they want to be in a position to contend. If they don't, they can call up guys that can fill the holes with plugs. That's fine, but Ross Atkins said a couple weeks ago he still thinks the team's in position where they can contend in 2018. Okay, well, you're going to need at least two outfielders. You're going to need some middle infield depth. And not just guys that can defend. We've seen what what Goins and Barney can do. It's not much. Devin Travis, health concern, Troy Tulowitzki, overpriced Band-Aid. Those are massive issues. What about Josh Donaldson going into a contract year? There's going to be no distraction there whatsoever, right? Right? Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Issue. What's Justin Smoke going to be able to do? Is he going to be able to back up the season? Is this year an anomaly? Or 
Is this something that can continue? I, I, I mean, there's no answer there. The Blue Jays need speed, need more athleticism, need better defensive play. Those are all issues. Their other so-called stud starting pitcher, Aaron Sanchez, hasn't pitched a full year in Major League Baseball. Deal has dealt with blister problems all this year. I don't know what's going to happen next year. They nursed him two years ago. This year's been a flop. What's going to happen? And you're going to have to bring in at least two or three more starting pitchers. Marco Estrada, I guess, can be one. You have four start. You have four and a half starters right now. If you include Marco Estrada being a complete fourth starter, and he's pitched better as of late, yes. But is he going to continue? I don't know. There's issues in the starting rotation. Those are just some of the problems. What about the manager after a year like this? This is a team that's supposed to contend, yet no one seems to question the future of John Gibbons here in Toronto. When a team underachieves, the manager or coach, so sports work. They typically lose their jobs, or at the very least on the hot seat. There's nothing. No one is talking about John Gibbons. So there's just a bunch of problems right off the top of my head that are more significant than the behavior of Marcus Stroman. Even if I'm going to look at Stroman, first and foremost, there's a couple other red flags about Stroman long-term, more so than his emotion or his attitude. How about the fact that he's five foot seven, the shortest pitcher in Major League Baseball? you got to have some concern about long-term durability when it comes to the Blue Jays starting pitcher, don't you? What about the fact that Back in the day, he was busted for PEDs as a minor league pitcher. One strike, fine. Two strikes, okay. And if he's out to prove everyone wrong and the world's against him, this is typically when players get desperate, they need that extra motivation. They dabble. And and I'm not suggesting that Strowman will, but he already has that on his record. Strowman's not a perfect player. But he's a very good pitcher for this Blue Jays team. He's been great this year. I don't have much to to say about his play this year. And the attitude, the emotion, that doesn't bother me either. It's part of the game. Not every player is going to like you for crying out loud. There's too much in sports today where all the players are buddy-buddy. Everyone's a millionaire. They lack that hunger. They lack that desire. I like that about Marcus Stroman. Just using all that, just throwing all of that up against the wall, saying in the overall scheme of things, is the fact that Strowman's emotional, is that that big of a deal? No. The Blue Jays have much bigger fish to fry. If you want to weigh in on that, Strowman or the Genie Bouchard, 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. And 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050-1050. The email live at tsn1050.ca. You can hit me up at WheelerTSN on Twitter. Let's go to Mississauga. Frankie, what's going on this Tuesday morning? Frank, you good? I'm, I'm fantastic. Uh, the, the big problem with the Jays is the lack of depth. And their management team is failing miserably. It's the only reason why they're having trouble. Their second baseman goes down and all of a sudden their fortunes disappear. They really do. Um, They've got to do a better job of putting together a squad that you can blame the coach on. That's the reason why I'll say that you can't really blame the head coach. I think management issue and poor preparation for a season that requires every team gets 
Sorry, Frank, we just lost the connection there. There is no doubt, there is no denying that depth is an issue with this team. And what the ball club will say to back that up is, well, we had no depth in terms of AAA talent. Those minor league players that were ready to make the next jump, jump up to the bigs. And you look at Buffalo right now, it's a cesspool. There's nothing there. And they have a point when it comes to that. Anthopolis gave up a lot, including giving up a lot in a deal for Troy Tulowitzki, which right now doesn't look prudent. I know that people will defend to the hills about making that deal. You traded a problem in Jose Reyes for another problem in Troy Tulowitzki, but you gave up another couple players with Reyes to get the problem that now is Tulo. And Tulo hasn't been, he's been mediocre at best since he's got here, at his very best. But you're right. The depth, I'm shocked that they didn't add better depth in the outfield. To have an outfield, which is the worst outfield in Major League Baseball. Never mind the depth. How about the starting talent? About Tista, Pilar, Carrera, or Pierce? Ugh. Yeah. Pierce was supposed to be one of those depth guys. Was hurt. Had one really good week. Outstanding week this year. Barney and Goins are their cheap options. To back up the middle infield. The other teams mostly rely upon young players or up-and-coming guys that aren't ready for a full-time role for depth depth positions. But when it comes to the starting rotation, nothing there. They were lucky that pitchers like Tapera and others were able to step up for what looked to be a questionable bullpen starting the year. So absolutely, you can look at the you can point at the front office and say. You haven't done enough to support this team. I totally get that as well. And that's just another case, another scenario that raises more of a red flag than Marcus Stroman's attitude. Just want to point that out. And and typically, I believe, I'm one of those guys that believes unsettled personalities can unsettle a clubhouse, a locker room, a dressing room. They can. Even in baseball, being an individual sport. You need certain characters, certain personalities. But I just look at Marcus Stroman right now. He has not reached the point of being a problem child. At least from where I sit. You can have your say at Wheeler TSN. The text is 10-50-50. So Mark Masters is going to join me at 11-30. He'll weigh in on Jeannie Bouchard. Jeannie likes Mark. And Mark knows a lot about Jeannie. Both on and off the court. I mean, just covering tennis. Being around being the guy for TSN that covers the Grand Slams. Uh, Mark knows Jeannie. Perhaps there's something that we in the general public miss when it comes to Jeannie Bouchard. Because we see all the superficial stuff. We see the Instagram. We see the photo shoots. We see the endorsements. We see the celebrity. And we see losing on the court. What's going on? With Jeannie Bouchard, has she become already, at the ripe old age of 23, a celebrity first and an athlete second? And if so, that's dangerous territory. Not for her future, but for any athlete that demands, commands, respect and credibility. Because that's what this is about right now. It's about her image as an athlete. Not the money that she can make. Not how many people can follow her on Instagram. It has nothing to do with that. I'm talking about as a sportsman, as sports fans, as an athlete. 
Wins and losses matter. Performance matters. But does it matter to Jeannie Bouchard? Does it matter to you? When it comes to Jeannie, what are you most excited about what's coming up next when you can consume Jeannie? At TSN 1050 Radio is the poll question. Are you more excited to see her next tennis match, her next Instagram post, or her next photo shoot? David hit me up explaining what's going on with her game at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Jeannie's lacking a defensive game. She tries to hit a winner every shot. With this style of play, she cannot be a top-level player. Well, why isn't that being coached? Is she uncoachable? Because I'm sure others have pointed that out to her. And if she's unwilling to listen, then what's the deal? Paul hit me up. I love to say tennis, but since her accident, she's not 100% vested in her work. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. She still has top five skill. And isn't that the biggest bummer here as Canadian sports fans? If she doesn't realize her talent because of her focus on everything else other than what's going on in the court, that would be entirely disappointing. And the text to 10-50-50, Jeannie's not that good of a player. She had one year that she made a surprising run. I think it's great that she's so popular, as it'll help more little girls play tennis in Canada, which will help development. Will it, though? Or will it give credence or give license to girls when they're growing up to focus on the way they look to be marketable more than... Turning your attention on being a winner. Because let's, let's, let's not lie to ourselves here. A lot of this has to do with looks. Her marketability. So where is your focus when it comes to Jeannie Bouchard? We'll get Mark Masters to weigh in. He's going to join me next. Then more of your text, tweets, emails, and phone calls coming up. This is Toronto Today. Good to be back. I am Gareth Wheeler, and this is TSN 1050. WTFs coming your way in the next hour of the program. I will get into Sidney Crosby. Turned 30 yesterday. What else do we know about the guy? Really, for the being the face of hockey, we know that he lived with Mary Lemieux. We know that he was born on 8-7. Know that he's a really good hockey player. He's from Cole Harbor. What, what else do we know about him? Not much. And I wonder if that affects the way that we look at him and his career overall. An unassuming superstar. Is that concept still relevant? Does it still work here in 2017? Maybe. We'll get into Sidney Crosby in the next hour of the program. Wheels with you. Good to be back at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Pull question up on TSN 1050 Radio right about now. When it comes to Jeannie Bouchard, are you more interested in seeing A, her next tennis match, B, her next or her next Instagram post, or C, her next photo shoot? Thus far, photo shoot 46%, Instagram 31%, t- tennis match 23%. I'm not sure what her next photo shoot is or her next Instagram post will be. But she's going to play tennis in about 90 minutes from now at York University. And this is where we are when it comes to Jeannie Bouchard. 
Celebrity first, athlete second. But she's charming. And she casts a spell, and it's easy to get caught up in it all. Case in point, yesterday. Press conference, press media availability. Here's how things played out. What do you like about the city of Toronto playing here? I like that you're here because you're my favorite reporter. (laughs) Aww. It's so special. Mark Masters asked that question. Of course, my good buddy from TSN covering the Rogers Cup at Mark H. Masters on Twitter. Are you, have you fallen under Jeannie's spell as well, Mark? Uh, you know, we also think it's quite the opposite, don't you think? Uh, <laughs> Jeannie has fallen under the spell of Masters Nation. Good and call. She's not the first. Good point, buddy. Uh, when she answered the question that way, how many different shades of red did you turn? <laughs> I was a little red, not going to lie. I mean, uh, you know, you're in a news conference and you, with your peers and, you know, everyone's giving you kind of the, uh, the kind of smiley look there. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a little bit of a shade of red there, but at this point I'm almost used to it. I, you know, I know that I have chemistry with a lot of the people that I interview and, you know, those are the types of response that I've just, you know, got to get used to, I suppose. Right. Jean, that, for me, that's more case in point of the fact that Jeannie Bouchard is likable. She's a likable individual, which kind of, you know, um, makes her celebrity that much more grand. The fact that she's so marketable, that people flock to her, and that even before a sports story, oftentimes, Mark, she's a news story. But does that come at a detriment to her being taken seriously as a competitive tennis player? You know what? I don't even know if I would. I, th- I think she's actually quite polarizing for a lot of people. Versus just likable. I think she is very good on camera. Obviously, she's got a great personality for, for those types of interviews. Uh, but you mentioned Instagram and photo shoot. A lot of people, one of the things they'll tell me about Jeannie Bouchard is, you know, she's got to focus on her tennis here. Why is she, you know, doing all this off-court stuff? She doesn't seem to be focused. She, you know, she's suing the USTA over that slip and fall at the U.S. Open back in 2015. Um, she had the thing in the Fed Cup where she didn't shake the hand of her opponent because she didn't believe in wishing her opponent good luck before the match. And she was, you know, that's, she says, that's just how I believe, and I don't believe in, in that kind of handshake photo off. And a lot of people say, you know, and she calls out Sharapova, you know, she didn't have to do that, but she, she said she wants to be genuine and she wants to be real. And a lot of people appreciate that. On the other hand, a lot of people say, you know, focus on the courts. You don't need to be doing that. Get your game together. You know, Maria Sharapova's won five majors. You know, you've got to worry about where you're at, which is right now 70th in the world. So I actually find her to be a very polarizing figure, which also just adds to uh, just the interest in her because, you know, people seem to either love her or really think that she, she's got to get, get things together. And uh, I'm not sure what the answer is, whether it's a, a big detriment to her game, all this off-court stuff. Um, because she didn't seem to let it affect her in 2014 when she was that rising star and everyone wanted a piece of her, and she did very well. Nobody won more Grand Slam matches in 2014 than Jeannie Bouchard. Just, even though she didn't have a title, she, she made deep runs in all four of them, um, and she's trying to figure things out right now on the court. And that's why on that poll question, I would say I'm most interested in seeing her play a match because it's such an internal struggle right now uh, with her mentally that I think it's incredibly compelling drama. Yeah, you, you can absolutely make that case, but I think we've seen disappointment after disappointment on the court. She's 12 and 15 on the year mark, and, and we talk about what we see on Instagram, what we see in terms of the endorsements and the photo shoots. Is perception reality here that she's not working hard enough to take advantage of the God given skill set that she was given? 
she is working hard. Uh, we see her on the courts. It's not like she's skipping practices to go to photo shoots. Uh, she has sponsorship commitments that she has to deal with, as a lot of those top-level players do. The difference is that you know, not, not many 70th-ranked players in the rankings have to do these, these other you know, off-court sponsorships because of her status of a rising star back in 2014 and uh, her marketable nature. She, she's got that. And, uh, you know, whether it's a detriment or not, that's only she really knows. You can't really say for sure. I mean, I'm not in that position where I could say, you know, it's hurt her tennis. Um, but you've got to believe at some point distractions have played a role off the court in terms of her not being able to get back. And she admitted in 2015 that, you know, the pressure and the expectations of dealing with everything around her from 2014 got to, so bad to the point where she, she, she struggled to eat food. And she lost weight and she became injury prone. And that was certainly a big factor in why she stumbled and hasn't really been able to get it back. Uh, and mentally, her strength back in 2014, everyone said, oh, my goodness, this is a player that she just goes for it. Every, every, every match, she's just going for the lines and, and playing her aggressive style. And, and now it's kind of, you know, she seems to be, she was unshakable back then. Now, if something goes wrong, it seems like, you know, she crumbles a bit. So that's a, an internal struggle right now. She's working very hard to try and get back. She's worked with a mental coach. She's worked with her coach. And it just hasn't clicked yet again. Mark Masters joining us here in Toronto today at Mark H. Masters on Twitter covering the Rogers Cup this week uh, up at York University. I'm Wheels. The thing is, Mark, uh, we're at a time in women's tennis where there's Serena Williams, who's not playing right now, and then everyone else. And for a player like Jeannie being unable to take advantage, I think it raises the good question whether she ever will be able to, which would be extremely disappointment for the hope that she gave in 2014. And look, whether perception isn't reality or not, we all know where her focus has been at times. There was that time, I guess it was two years ago, where she lost that first-round match, and then she hopped on a helicopter right away to play with Nick Kyrgios and a bunch of Nike athletes right there in Times Square. Like, it doesn't reflect well on her and and for those who want to take her seriously as an athlete it's very difficult for people to be able to stomach that yeah you know and that's a good example of maybe you know specifically when off-court commitments got in the way because i think she got crushed in that match against roberta vinci in new haven yes like six love six one and then she you as you mentioned took the helicopter and and you know was that something that was on her mind when she went on the court that she had this commitment that she had to get to you know maybe that's a situation where she, she should not have she should not have, you know, <laughs> entered that tournament knowing that she would have had to have uh, had that commitment. So, yeah, I mean, like, people should be upset. Certainly, if you bought a ticket to that match, you're, you're, you're not feeling like you got bang for your buck there. And she's made some curious decisions on the other side of things where, you know, she was she so badly wanted to play the French Open. She had that right ankle injury, and she played through it at the French Open, and it compromised her entire training, uh, you know, heading into the grass court season, which should be her strength. And she struggles in the grass court season. So, I think that she's 23. We can't lose sight of the fact that even though it feels like she's been around forever, she's still quite young. And, yeah, Serena's not here, and she hasn't taken advantage. But you know what? A lot of the players on the women's tour haven't taken advantage. Simona Halep's number two in the world, and people, the, the buzz about her is she can't win the big one. She, she couldn't close the deal at the French. She couldn't close the deal at Wimbledon when she had two chances to become the number one player in the world. Uh, you know, Garbina Muguruza, who just won Wimbledon, the knock on her before she did that was that she crumbled when she won the French and she couldn't carry on the momentum. So a lot of players on the tour deal with that. It's, it's, it's not easy. The, the, the difference between the top players and then even the players 90 to 100, it's, it's very thin right now. And any little mental lapse or, or any sort of shakiness in the confidence can send you tumbling. And Jeannie's kind of in that 
area right now where she's falling and she's she's struggling against it, and sometimes that makes it worse, and she can't get back. And, and that's why almost a lot of people and and look, I'm I'm saying, and I'm speaking from a perspective where I want Jeannie to do well. Like she can be a huge ambassador not only for sports but for Canadian sport as well. So there's a lot of vested interest in an athlete like Jeannie. I just wonder when the margins are that slim between success and failure in women's tennis, why you wouldn't get rid of some of those you know, external distractions? And why wouldn't you focus a little bit more? Like when you look around the women's tour or even the men's tour, are people doing, generally, are there other tennis players that are doing as much as Jeannie is right now? You know what? It's hard to say. It certainly seems like she's one of the more active, certainly on social media. She's got a lot of sponsors. She, I, I would say that her sponsorships are similar to what you would think of a top-level player versus somebody who is where she is now, which is 70th in the world. So, uh, But, you know, everyone is different, right? And guys, veteran players who have been around for a while, they understand how better to balance it and what they, they understand how much they can push themselves off the court as well as on it and when they need a break and when they need to focus. And again, she's so young and the success happened so fast. I think she got to a point at the end of the 2014 season where she just felt like I, I'm, you know, you almost have that air of invincibility where you're like, geez, it's coming so easily. It's just going to keep going this way. And she got knocked down so hard in 2015 when she just couldn't win any matches after the Australian Open that it, it put her in a really tough position, and she's never really been able, as I said before, to get it back. And there's lots of time. She's, again, 23. We see players going, you know, older and older, deeper and deeper, you know, certainly on the men's tour. On uh, the women's tour, Serena, you know, she's, she's getting on in here. She's, she's eventually going to retire, you would think, and Jeannie will still be in her prime. So there's going to be an opportunity there for someone, and Jeannie is still very much, I would say, in the mix. I bet a lot of work to be done. Last one for you, Mark. Uh, she's changed coaches as well. Uh, at a very early stage of her, her career. Is there a problem with not being coachable or not willing or being able to change? Like, what's the deal on that front? Uh, you know, that was one of the big issues after the 2014 season. She had a really great run with Nick Saviano, who was her longtime mentor. She went to her academy. That's the person who kind of brought her up. Uh, she splits with him and takes on Sam Sumick and it doesn't work. She put, you know, they, they split after Wimbledon when she lost in the first round there. Uh, she had a brief, you know, run with Jimmy Connors where he helped her at the U S open and it went well, but Jimmy Connors isn't going to be a coach. But I'll tell you this, the coach she has now is Thomas Hogstead. Uh, he's got a very good reputation. He previously coached Maria Sharapova. Uh, they've been going all year. He's not here right now. He'll rejoin her in Cincinnati dealing with something right now on his own. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say that she's uncoachable. She works hard, that's for sure. Um, but you know, it would be good to build a relationship, and she seems to be doing that this year with Hogstead, where you know they they've been all season long going together. She went actually to him last year at the end of last season and apologized. They had worked together previously, and they split. And she apologized and said, "We, you know, I should never. We should never have broken up. Come back." And so that I think was a sign of maturity on on her end to go back to him and say, "Listen, I need you." And we'll see where it goes. They're still together now. And uh, Hogg said, again, his credentials are, are pretty impeccable. So we'll see if he can rebuild her psyche. And I've spoken to him a number of times, and she, he truly believes in her uh, and what her potential is. And a lot of people do. She's made the finals of Wimbledon. She's made two other semifinals of the Grand Slam. Yep. She's done it before. She can do it again. Uh, hoping for an extended run today or this week, which starts this afternoon, Mark, 1 p.m. Center Court up at York. Absolutely. Donna Vekic, listen, Jeannie's the underdog today, no doubt about it. Vekic is 50th ranked. 
She's won six of eight matches. It's going to be tough for Jeannie today. Good stuff. Uh, don't tell anyone else, but you're my favorite reporter as well. <laughs> Get in line, Wheel. Get in line. You're blushing, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Good stuff as always, buddy. Enjoy it today, okay? Will do. Thanks. Mark Masters, Eminem. Add Mark H. Masters on Twitter. Absolute fair discussion, fair perspective from Mark. Like, look, she has her detractors. She is polarizing. But it's undeniable her popularity comes from Instagram. It comes from Snapchat. It comes from being attractive. Like, these are the things. And the fact that you saw in 2014 something really special. But that thing that made her very special, respected as an athlete, hasn't been there now for been there now for a couple of years. Meanwhile, everything else continues to grow and expand and stand as distractions. And whether perception is reality or not, I mean, it's irrelevant when you're losing your 70th ranked in the world. We wouldn't be speaking about Jeannie Bouchard if 2014 didn't happen and if she wasn't attractive. And that shouldn't surprise anyone. I'm not, this isn't even a hot take. That's why it's fair to ask the question are you more excited? To see Jeannie's next tennis match, her next Instagram post, her next photo shoot. At TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter. That's where we are right now with Jeannie Bouchard's career. You can weigh in as well. 416-870-1050. Stand up for Jeannie. Tell me why I should watch this afternoon. Tell me why it matters. 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050 at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050. Get out of your vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. Good morning, Toronto. A beautiful 26 degrees today. Sunshine. Gareth Wheeler with you at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. We're still talking Jeannie Bouchard to a certain degree. Text coming in on Twitter. I'll watch Jeannie see if she falls and then we'll spin it over to Instagram to see what she's doing there next. That's the thing. You cannot separate the celebrity from the athlete. And we see this in other sports. It's not just Jeannie, but Jeannie's our own. Jeannie's Canadian. We have vested interest in Bouchard and we want what's best for her. As an athlete, the celebrity thing will always be there. And it will continue to be there. It's like the Kardashians, the you know, keeping up with the Kardashians, breaking it down with the Bouchards. That's where we are right now. And I just want to be vested into what she does on the court. And right now, pff, we're in prove-it-to-me mode. We've been, prove it, we've been in prove-it-to-me mode for two years. And yeah, she's still young. There's a ton of excuses that you can roll out. I get it, but when it comes down to it, the perception is everything else matters more than the performance on the court. It's probably not the case, but that's the perception that's being put out there. We're going to talk Sidney Crosby in the next hour of the program. I just put it up on Twitter, at WheelerTSN. Is Sidney Crosby still the face of the NHL? If so, is that a good thing? If not, who is? 
The text is 1050.50. The email live at tsn1050.ca. Sidney Crosby turned 30 yesterday. We'll get into the curious case of the best player in hockey. Now, being the face of the NHL is different than being the best player in the NHL. Crosby, for me, is the best player. But there's a difference. And we'll get into that in the next hour of the program. And my buddy Bruce Arthur will join me in a few moments' time. I also wanted to touch on Usain Bolt. It was such a big news story over the weekend, the fact that in Usain Bolt's final race, he loses. Came in third place. And didn't just lose in the 100-meter final, but lost to Justin Gatlin. A drug cheat. A twice-proven guilty drug cheat. And there was a lot of pushback on Gatlin being called an illegitimate winner, uh, being called a disgrace. You've heard it all. And what I wonder was whether that response had more to do with the fact that Bolt lost than Gatlin won. And hear me out here because Usain Bolt is not just only the fastest man of, of, of all time and a globally recognized superstar. But he's so darn likable. Everyone was cheering for Usain Bolt. Everyone wanted to see him win that final race. And when he did not, instead of just looking at Usain saying, you know what, doesn't have it anymore. This is why he's retiring. Great career. You're saying, well, Gatlin beat him. And Gatlin should never have been racing to begin with. And I hear why people are still upset about that. Drug cheats in any sport, it takes time to forget. And when a player achieves who once used performance-enhancing drugs and does something that where he might beat someone or achieve somewhat, something against someone you like, there's going to be pushback. And I really think that the response had more to do with Bolt losing than, than, than Gatlin winning. Sebastian Coe, Lord Coe. The president of the IAAF himself in the buildup to the World, Champion, uh, World uh, Track and Field Championships in London said the biggest challenge for athletics isn't the war against drugs or performance-enhancing drugs. It's getting young people more interested in the sports. Which He's, he's got a point. But then after, just seems so insincere when he starts coming out and saying, well, Gatlin shouldn't have raced. He shouldn't be allowed to race ever again. Well, what is it? Are drugs the issue? Do they make the sport that much more unpopular? I don't know. People like to see a great race no matter what. But for me, it was the fact that Bolt didn't win rather than Gatlin winning. That was the biggest issue. How many different track and field events can you watch and find someone who once upon a time may or may not have used performance enhancing drugs. It's like the past generation of baseball. That's why I have no problem with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and they should be in the Hall of Fame because they were using performance enhancing drugs at a time where so many others were using the same. And I don't know what's legitimate and what shouldn't matter. That's the problem as Performance-enhancing drug use stays ahead of the drug testing. We simply don't know. There is a documentary coming out, which is going to have wide-reaching effects, or should. Could be the most important sports documentary of all time. It's called Icarus. 
Not sure when it's coming out, but it's all about how Russian state-sponsored doping was the story of Sochi and goes far deeper than what anyone could imagine. Yet, when we look back at Sochi, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, Canada won the gold medal in hockey. We're not going back, reflecting back on what happened over those two weeks in southern Russia. We're not. Statewide doping is a thing. And no one's throwing the book at Russia. Russia's hosting the World Cup of soccer next summer, for crying out loud. There's no ramifications. There's no punishment here. But we're going to pick on Justin Gatlin because he wins one race against Usain Bolt. Please, not having it. You can share your thoughts on that. Text is 105050, the email live at tsn1050.ca. We'll get into Sidney Crosby next, WTF, and Sound Wars. Coming up in the next hour of the program as well. Wheels with you. Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is TSN 1050.